Hey everybody, this is Blake with Marvel.com, and I am sitting next to a legend, a man I'm a huge fan of, I'm sure you all are huge fans of too, please introduce yourself, sir. My name is Charles Dance, and you're a man of impeccable taste, <laughs> obviously. Well, uh, I gotta, we're here to talk about Childhood's End, which I've seen all three of the, it's kind of, what do they call it, a miniseries, I guess? I like guess a, you could call it a miniseries. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very, um, it, it, it brought out a lot of emotions for me, watching uh-huh. it. I don't know, what, what drew you to the role in the first place? Um... Apart from the millions of dollars that I was paid, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm joking. Um, well, I knew a little about it, having not read the book, but people did say to me, you know, this is a classic. It was written in 1954. So I kind of dipped into the book and realized that the subject matter of the story, as I say, that was written in 1954, is as relevant today as it was oh, then. Oh, of course. You know, a planet that is in the grip of economic crises, disease, war, financial and climactic meltdown. You know, he wrote that in 1954. Well, it's now 2015. And we've had the biggest banking and economic crisis. We, the climate is in great danger. Uh, we have bigger, more complex wars going on in the Middle East. I mean, you know. Um, So for a superior being to come to Earth and supervise the running of the planet and clean everything up for us because we've made such a mess of it, I think it's a story worth telling that will have resonances for a great many people, I would have thought. And and that's kind of, I wanted to ask you this later on, but it's a good time to bring it up. When I was watching it, it hit me that you know, I don't. I don't want to spoil what happens at the end, but like, you can kind of guess things don't really work out too well for some people. I saw, like, I, in your opinion, would you? I thought, like, I'd like to have that time of prosperity and then have the, you know, getting the check. You know what I mean? Like, what what are your thoughts? Would you rather have that world or or what we're in today? I think I'd rather have that world, really. Um, there is a price to pay for utopia. Exactly. Or to use another not very good analogy, there's no such thing as a free lunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's. I agree. I don't know. No. Um, I, how much? How long did it take for you to get into the the makeup and the prosthetics? Um, a little over four hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a team I think of about five people working around me so we'd get to the makeup room at about 4, 4.30 in the morning I'd go to sleep I, I was going to ask what'd you uh, do? <laughs> and they would just beaver away uh, <laughs> and then wake me up four and a bit hours later uh, so yeah that, it, was, it was quite complicated and not the most comfortable of things um, and my, I've got quite sensitive eyes, so the whole contact lens thing is another matter for me. Although I've just come back from Prague, been doing another one of the Underworld franchises, and so I've had the fangs on the eyes oh, gosh. again. Um, so I'm kind of getting used to it. But they were whole eyepiece contacts, rather like the ones I wore in Last Action Hero. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they were big, full-size ones, like having a half a ping-pong ball in your <laughs> mouth, in your, in your eye. And um, 
and it was uh, the hottest time of the year in Melbourne where we we made the thing. Um, but it, we, I had a great team working with me, really wonderful, very very skilled people, and we got the D rig down to about under two hours. Um, I did wonder whether I'd have any skin left on my <laughs> face at the end of it, but you know they used all the right chemicals and things and not toxic stuff so you know I was well looked after and helped a great deal and I did wonder at one point I thought this could be anybody under here could be you you could have been there doing <laughs> it but uh, but then the bits I've seen um, I'm kind of gratified that I I do recognize myself <laughs> I, we had a Mike and, and Daisy here I believe last week or the week before a couple of weeks ago yeah. and I it struck me like I had heard all the some of the backstory about the creation of this it, this actually even coming out in any form it sound, it seems like a kind of like a Don Quixote type thing where no, nobody could ever get it to be right. made and it finally is made I mean did you know anything about the, like I think Kubrick was attached to it for a while and, and um, other people I certainly didn't hear about that at the time I've, I've, I've heard now that mm-hmm. various attempts were made but I think We've been able to do it because now, because of the advances of CGI and the whole, you know, digital revolution, we can do anything now. The camera can tell the most blatant lies. We can create the most extraordinary things. I mean, just going off on a tangent, look at the cinematic production values in Game of Thrones. I mean, they are phenomenal. Mm -hmm. They really are. And I think the demands of the book we can now satisfy because of our technical expertise um, and the advancements that have been made have happened rapidly. I mean, really, you know, in the kind of the space of a couple of years, suddenly we're able to do more now than we were able to do with the year, you know, 2010 or whatever, and it will go on like that, um, which is also quite frightening because, you know, we're, 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 we're getting ahead of ourselves and whether we fully understand the law of cause and effect, and I'm, I'm not wholly sure that we do, because mm. we think we can do this, look what we can do, and you think, yeah, but what's going to happen if you do do it? Do you know? That's well, fair. <laughs> I, I wanted to mention, too, like, I, it might be a, something about my personality, but I didn't hate your character at all. Like, you were supposed to be kind of the villain in it, but it's like you told it like it is, you know? Like, I wasn't... Are we talking about Childhood's End now? Yes. We, right? I didn't no. really like... Ha- good. Good. He's not hateful. Yeah. he's. I mean, he's doing bad stuff. At. I mean, at some point. But... He's doing what he has to do. That's not to say he's just obeying orders. That's mm-hmm. a very dangerous thing to say. But, you know... He is of a race called the Overlords. There are over-overlords as well. He is answerable to a higher authority. Um, and what, what he does is, I mean, you know, he creates utopia. He supervises the running of Earth, sorts everything out. Um, but he has also come to tell them that things are going to change. I can't tell you any more than that, but mm-hmm. uh, his... His heart, that is probably not recognizable as a human heart, is in the right place. Do you know? Mm-hmm. 
I don't think he's at all villainous. No, 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 no. And so I that makes know. me feel better. Wow, she doesn't. I've had a lot of fun playing villains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to. I kind of want to. I want to talk about that a little bit because obviously a lot of the fans <clears throat> would know you from Game of Thrones. Obviously, is that what fans see on the street and say hello about, or is it like? Because I'm obviously a huge Last Action Hero fan. What's yeah. the thing? Well, you know what this business is like. I mean, you know, you can be flavor of the month one month and then absolutely nothing the next, and it depends on people's generations. You know, I was living in the hotel this morning and a guy was being very complimentary about a film that I did in 1986. Well, I'm, you know, I'm encouraged that he recognizes me from a film I did in 1986. <laughs> but um, yeah, because Game of Thrones has become such a global phenomenon, um, and since being part of that, um, I realized what a huge readership the books have, which I wasn't aware of before. I didn't know anything about Game of Thrones. Mm. I really didn't. Um, and it's wherever I go in the world, and I've been all over the world in this job, um, there are people talking about Game of Thrones. Well, you know, I'm sure there are huge fans of something like Downton Abbey, you know, which is, in its way, is as big, really, you know, and when I did a series called The Jewel in the Crown back in 1982, I know that there are still people who have Jewel in the Crown weekends. Bunches of people get together on a Friday night, you know, and they have supper, and let's watch the first couple of hours, and they, and they go to bed dreaming about the great <laughs> days, and then, and then they get up on Saturday morning, and they start all over again, and they watch all 14 hours over a weekend. I mean, it's extraordinary, and it just it's a continual reminder of the power of this medium that we're in. I mean, really, it's, and as long as I'm looked over rather than overlooked, I shall be happy. <laughs> we've had, it's funny you mentioned that too, because we've had, uh, actually Christian came by and he's, he was sitting here in yeah. our interview and he gets Hodor all day long when he's walking down the street. But is it more refreshing when somebody comes to you and says, hey, I like you in this movie from 1980, whatever, as opposed to the thing you hear all the time? Um, it, it's as I say, you know, it's better to be looked over oh, than overlooked. And you know, I don't know. It doesn't matter what it is, really. Um, as long as it doesn't, as long as it hasn't kind of passed people by, and it would be awful to think that one has bored people. That that's the very <laughs> worst thing to do, you know. And I don't think I've managed to do that yet. I agree. Uh-huh. Um, I want to ask too, since this is like Marvel and kind of like it's the geeky culture, kind of like Game of Thrones. What do you do for fun when you're not working? You read, watch movies all the time. What, what do you do? Um, I prefer to watch movies and go to the theater. Although, like a lot of English actors, that's my background, and I, I didn't work in the theater. Mm. Of course, I do from time to time, but I would rather go and see a movie because if the movies crap I can quietly leave the cinema whereas <laughs> if I'm sitting in a play and bored to tears it's it causes a bit of a stir if I get up and leave halfway through um, I do that I like you know I, I ride a bike uh, I can t- I, I try to expand my repertoire of music for the ukulele nice. and um, which I love I, I swim and I hang out with people that I like and and read, you know, all those kind of normal things. I mean, I don't kind of, I, I'm, I don't go off skydiving or anything like that. <laughs> you know. Do you? What, what's your favorite like films and and, and plays? Um, I like 
I like to go into, if I'm going to the theatre, I want to go and see a, preferably a new play. I mean, we're a great, we're great ones in England for kind of, you know, we redo the classics. I mean, how many more productions of Hamlet are we going to see? There's always a <laughs> Hamlet for a generation. And you get to a certain age, you're supposed to climb the mountain of King Lear and all mm. of that kind of nonsense. You know, <laughs> I just think there should be a moratorium on Shakespeare for a while um, and encourage new writing. And I love to go to the theatre and see explosions of theatricality. I don't want to see actors working in close-up. That's not what I go to the theatre for. Equally, I go to the cinema and I want to see something that's going to take me away from the kind of humdrum of life or it's going to allow me to examine more closely the detail of life. I, I love cinema as a medium and if I have a preference, it's for cinema. And, and the whole... And as we, when we started this conversation, when talking about the relevance of the subject matter of Childhood's End, written in 1954 and now in 2015, we have a need for escapism. And the whole kind of marvel thing allows people to do that. Mm -hmm. And we can now do it with our technical expertise so well. You know, we can put comic book heroes onto the screen and they are alive. And it's fantastic what we're able to do. It's a great medium. It really is. Wonderful. Have you, uh, since you're in town, are you going to any, any shows while you're here? Well, I'm hoping to go and see my friend Tim Pickett-Smith, who's come over here in a play called Charles III, which he opened to great success in London. It's come here now, and it is about um, the man who is at present Prince Charles and who is hoping desperately that he is going to be King Charles <laughs> <laughs> one day and the play is Charles III and I believe it's open to very good reviews here anyway I just haven't seen Tim for a long time and I just want to go and give him a bit of support hopefully tomorrow night are you doing any any stage work anytime soon once again or? I don't have any plan to do anything on the stage soon I'm hoping to direct what will be only my second film as a director next year in May but it's aimed very much at the grey pound, as it's euphemistically called, whereas the first film I made was aimed at the grey pound because it's a market that is foolish to ignore. Was that, correct me if I'm wrong, that was around 2004, right, when you made that? I believe it was 11 years ago, whatever that is. What so, took yeah, the, what, uh, why, why did you wait so long in between to uh, um, do it? I've been rather busy as an actor. That's good. good excuse, yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, and it's just something that I've, I've always wanted to do, but I'm not, I don't want to stop acting because I love acting. Um, but I thought I had, <clears throat> I wanted to find out whether I had the talent that I think I have as a director. So I found a project that I thought I could handle. I wouldn't be biting off more than I could chew. So I made that. And... There were a couple of other things that came along that I couldn't raise the money for. You know, it's very hard trying to raise money for an independent film. And um, anyway, there's something else that's come along, and I've optioned it and adapted it. And, and as I say, I'm going to hopefully shoot it in May of next year. And yeah. I, I, I've heard it takes, what, six years to make a film <clears throat> average? Like, did you have this... On the, were you thinking about it for for years and years, and it finally happened, or did it just kind of all come together? No, this book came along. Um, I think we're coming up to. I think this will have taken just over four years. Oh, okay. Whereas I was very lucky with the first one, but then I had 
Judy Dench and Maggie Smith, I could shot the telephone directory with those two, you know, and I mean, it's <laughs> very true. easy. So that all came together very quickly. So I was a bit spoiled. Um, but I'm acting in this one as well. Oh, and it's awesome. me and Sam Neill and, uh, and an actress called Leslie Manville who's done a lot of work with Mike Lee. She's wonderful. And um, uh, it's not a huge budget by any means, tiny by American standards. Um, but it's a rather beautiful story. The book sold very well, so there's a built-in audience out there. Um, so anyway, fingers crossed that I'll be able to do that. If I don't, if it doesn't happen, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. I mean, it's you know, if it, I'm I'm a kind of fatalist. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Do you know? I, I mean, I'd watch you and Sam Neill recite the phone book. Oh, anyway, good. Excellent. So Splendid. I'm into it. Right. Well, I've just been working with Sam. I mean, so we've done an adaptation. Or we are appearing in an adaptation of Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None, um, you know, which is about a bunch of people who get invited to an island and one by one they get murdered. <laughs> um, and rather like what's happened with the adaptation of Childhood's End, this... This is the first adaptation of Agatha Christie, of that, of that particular book by Agatha Christie, that she considered to be her best work. It's also the darkest. It's very dark. It's quite raunchy, too, and spooky. And that's going out in England on Boxing Night and the following two nights, and hopefully will be seen over here, because um, cause it, it's, it's actually pretty good. But amazing. it's very dark. I want to ask too, since this is Marvel, I got to ask, if you as, I can't ask this for your character, but I want to ask this about you, if you had a superpower, what would it be and why? And you have to think about it, because it's not like a kiddie thing, like some people say invisibility because they secretly want to get away from everything, like what, what would you say? Um, the ability to, (coughs) excuse me. The ability to fulfill people's wishes. Oh, I think. that's very kind. Yeah, I think so. Why? Because I think we all have that wish fulfillment desire. I think it's probably, it, it, it's up there with the desire to survive um, and to procreate and then to wish you know that they, you know that expression far off hills are always green or something like that mm. or you, you know I'm kind of mixing them up <laughs> a bit now but um, I think it's such a powerful desire and and that's what a lot of people strive to do and and some people do manage it but I mean the wishes that take us out of this world do you know um I think that's a pretty surefire bet. Off the top of my head, in answer to your question, probably you gave me a day or two to think about it. <laughs> I'd come up with something more profound. That's fairly that is profound, it. I believe. <laughs> I can't ask that for. I usually ask that for for yourself and then your character. But I, I mean, your character on Childhood's End basically already has yeah superpowers. Indeed. Would there be one that he didn't have that you think he would want to have? Um. Sorry, my brain is not sharp enough at the moment <laughs> to give you an answer to that. I no. couldn't think of a, a Sorry. one either. Yeah. Can't do that. <laughs> no. Um, I got to ask one. 
last action hero qu- question. Yeah. How what, what was it like working on that that film? That was like a huge, a big part of my childhood. So I definitely had to bring it up. I, I love that movie. It was a lot of fun. But I'll tell you a story. We but <clears throat> um, F. Murray Abraham and I were sat in the makeup trailer having a very pompous conversation about <laughs> European art films and, you know, and all that. And uh, Arnold came in on the tail end of that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, yeah, yeah, you know, but you need the money you make from my movies to make your art films. <laughs> and he said, yeah, you're absolutely right, Arnold. And then he came out with this fantastic line. He said, I make films for the polyester people. <laughs> I make films for the polyester people. It's a great line. Um, oh, I had, um, I had a lot of fun doing that. And Anthony Quinn, the late, great Anthony Quinn. Apparently, I don't know whether this is true. I'm a, it could well be. But a trivial pursuit question was, who's appeared in over 300 films? And Anthony Quinn before he died. He had made over 300 films. Maybe some of them are not seen the light of day. <laughs> some were better than others, but over 300. And he was fantastic. I mean, he kind of greeted me as if he'd known me for 20 years. And, you know, I can remember watching films from Anthony Quinn when I was a kid in short trousers. Do you know? Oh, he must have been in the whole, like, they, they sign you to the, the contracts and they just... Yeah, and those, the, yeah, those yeah. kind of studio days, yeah, right. when you're, you're under contract to Universal or whoever for God knows how many films, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking the time. This was a huge pleasure. We, I really appreciate it. And uh, Childhood's End, it will, for fans who are listening to this podcast now, this will be out. You can check it out on Sci-Fi this week. Not this, not with us, because we're recording this a week before. Right. But it'll be out next week. I think it's the 14th of December, I right. think, is when it first goes out. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to um, promote before we go? Anything upcoming? Yeah, Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, nice. I think, is going to be good. Um, but I think it's going to be very good. Our fans would hate that. I'm just kidding. They're, they would love it. Uh, <laughs> and I think even, even the most devoted fans of Jane Austen, I think, will get the joke. We had a lot of fun doing it, which, of course, is dangerous, you know, because <laughs> it might not turn out to be that good. But I just have a feeling it's going to be good. And um, uh, I was in Boston a couple of months ago doing Ghostbusters, and I think that's going to be fun. Um, I was basically a straight man to a lot of very funny women. And, I didn't um, know you were in Ghostbusters. Yeah, yeah. This, is this news? Is this, can we... Why not? Yeah, okay, sure. I don't, it's, it's not a secret. <laughs> and um, and I say the fifth of the Underworld franchise um, with Kate Beckinsale, who's now she's been doing it for eleven years now. She's mm-hmm. in the most amazing shape. She looks fantastic, and um, I think the the script for that felt really rather good. And I had a lot of fun doing it. I mean, as long as I can have fun doing it, it doesn't matter what it is. But I managed to, I even had some swashbuckling in this. I haven't done a decent sword fight for a long time, certainly not on film. Um, so that was fun. Um, so, the, yeah, there's a, I've got a lot of stuff in the can, actually. That's awesome. Well, thank yeah. you so much for taking the time. Pleasure's mine. Ch- Mr. Charles Dance. Thank th- you. This is Marvel, your universe. <laughs>